0: All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here. Summer is here. Isn't it amazing? Finally, we can celebrate summer, which is great. Welcome to our summer series called Let the Light In Out of the Book of Psalms. You've got a Bible this morning. Uh, You can turn to the Book of Psalms on your device or in a paper Bible. That would be great. One way to look at life is as a series of experiences or moments. Uh, Those moments and experiences form your story, your family's story. Our lives are actually filled with millions of moments, thoughts, and experiences. And so I would love everyone to do this this morning, if you wouldn't mind. Would everyone just take a moment to close your eyes? Every time I ask this, someone says, No, no, it's okay. Nothing weird's going to happen. Just close your eyes. If you're driving and listening online, don't do that. But other than that, everyone close your eyes. And I just want to list a series of experiences. And I want you to just for a moment go there and experience them. Imagine, feel them again. Here we go a huge fireworks display. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you hear it? The best meal you've ever had. The birth of your first child. Being bored in the middle of school in June, looking out the window as the teacher drones on and on, and you just want out. Do you remember? Watching Netflix for hour 400. Singing at the top of your lungs in the car or with thousands of people like at a Taylor Swift concert not being able to sleep in the middle of the night and you're so frustrated cuz you just want to sleep and you pound your pillow cuz you just want to go to bed and you can't waiting for a jury or a judge to make a decision that will change your whole life remembering the smell of your grandparents cottage taking your kids for number 5000th time to soccer and being bored out of your mind yelling at your spouse about you know fill in the blank getting a divorce Finding love again, your friends standing up for you suddenly at school and feeling secure, getting an A on a test, failing a test, struggling with addiction, being told you have mental illness and it's never going away, learning how to do your job in a new way and you're pretty good at it, finishing your deck in your backyard and you did a good job. Crying when your first boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you. Getting your first job. Losing a job you've had for so long. Going on a road trip through the Rocky Mountains or camping in Algonquin Park. Staying at a five-star hotel for the first time. Staying at a half-star motel and wondering if you're going to die by midnight. Crying your guts out as you're watching the news or watching something online because you cannot believe the world is like that. Being told you're really sick and it's just not going to get better. Watching your grandkids and realizing there's hope. Graduating and getting that degree you worked so hard for. Standing at a graveside saying goodbye to someone you love so much. Wondering what's going to happen when your kid's life goes off the deep end. And at this moment... There's nothing you can do about it. Celebrating 40 years of marriage. Open your eyes. The stories could go on and on and on. All those stories, plus millions more, make up life. Our lives are full of high highs and low lows. Despair, extreme anger, rage, thankfulness, hope, faithfulness, joy, sadness, depression. Words like awesome, epic, bored, normal, nothing, everything make up every person's life in this room. Every one of you watching online, this is life. And this is, by the way, where the book of Psalms comes in. How does one walk with God in every season, in every experience, with every moment of life? How do you go from the most boring to the most epic to the darkest place you can go? And how do you do all of those things with God? See, this book, the book of Psalms, gives us the framework, the words, the stuff we need. And never forget, as Christians, we're not called, nor are we allowed to live life away. We're not allowed to get involved in escapism. We're not allowed to avoid life, nor are we allowed to live under life and be dominated by it. See, Christianity is bizarrely countercultural because actually we're commanded to walk right through life and do it with joy because we've met God and we have His community. The truth is, we who are Christians here today are actually in a relationship with God through Jesus. And we don't just know about God, we've actually met God. He lives us in us and lives his life through us. And like all relationships, like life itself, even that relationship, the most important relationship we would claim as Christians, our relationship with God goes through all sorts of seasons. Sometimes our relationship with God is like spring. It's new and it's fresh and it's exciting and it's all-consuming. Sometimes our relationship with God is like summer. Things are just right and we're relaxing. Sometimes they're like fall, crisp, and yet we feel something else is coming. And sometimes our relationship with God is like February in the middle of winter and it feels just dead. Relationships are played out in all parts of life, and the Psalms actually show us what life with God can be, must be, and should be. The Psalms actually give us the context of what to do and what to think and what to say and what to feel between us and God, us and the world, us and others, and even when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, they help you. The books of Psalms is basically a gift we all need. One scholar called it the book of mood swings. Isn't that good? Another said, when you're reading the Psalms day by day, one day you feel like drinking champagne. If you're Baptist, that's something different. That's fine. Drinking champagne. The next day you feel like drinking cyanide. And then he said, it's poetry, not logic. So just get on board and enjoy the ride. The book of Psalms is like a roller coaster. It's a spiritual journey. It's a record, a catalog, a journey, uh, and a journal of all the emotions and encounters that the people of God have already had with God while walking through the life we're now all living This one book allows us to express everything we're going to experience over a lifetime. If there's one book that defines, explains, invites, reminds, teaches, and lets us truly know that it is okay to be human with God, it is the book of Psalms. I know nothing about golf other than this. It's very expensive, your clothes are very expensive, and you swear lots. That's all I know. Also, I realize there are clubs. I know nothing about the clubs other than golfers tell me that those clubs are used in very particular situations for certain things. That is the extent of my golf knowledge, profound, I know. Now, the book of Psalms is like a golf bag. And the book of Psalms are like the clubs in the golf bag. Where we actually can pull out different clubs at different moments to face different situations. God has given us this golf bag so we can actually deal with anything in front of us. The book of Psalms is like marriage counseling. If you're going to get married in our church, we always encourage pre-marriage counseling to have a conversation about compatibility and, and spirituality, we talk about sex and relationship and power, all that stuff. But we always say that the real counseling happens not before you're married, the real counseling happens when, a year later when you go, oh my gosh, I married that, Right? That's when real counseling begins. And the book of Psalms is like pre-marriage counseling and during marriage counseling because it prepares you for the life you're gonna walk through and also deals with the reality of what you're now facing. But here's something even more important. The book of Psalms is a profound prophetic voice to the church, and here's why. Because it deals with wrong expectations. The number one killer of relationships is expectations not being fulfilled. And so many of us sitting in this audience, many of you watching and listening online, you actually have a series of expectations in your head about what you think God wants you to do, or what the church is called to do, or what you're called to do. And when it does not work out, suddenly you think you failed, the church failed, or God failed, but your expectations weren't even from God in the first place. And so you walk away from the faith, either publicly or privately, but actually the starting point was wrong. What we're about to learn over the summer is that the full range of emotions are welcomed and accepted. You can be truly, fully human and still be a genuine, authentic follower of God. The Psalms reorient our expectations to be biblical. Now, today, if we're going to understand the Psalms for the summer, let me just take a moment to give you some needing background. This book is actually made up of many books. It's poetry, it's songs, it's actually an anthology. It's sort of like, if you can imagine, Taylor Swift comes in and God says, You've done very well. And Rihanna, not bad at all. Some issues with language, but okay. You two, Beatles, yo yo ma, great. And then God says, shh, shh, sit. This is my anthology. This is heaven's best given songs. This is actually the epicenter of heaven's singing. Now, in Hebrews, the Psalms comes from the same word as hallelujah, it just means praises. Now, you may not know this, but the Psalms, as you have it right now on your device or in your paper Bible, took a thousand years to write, compile, sort, and build. Can I say that again? A thousand years. Some of the oldest Psalms are written by Moses. Some of the latest Psalms were written during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah during the second exodus. A thousand years of transmission, and they were compiled into the amazing book we have. A hundred and fifty songs, a hundred and fifty poems, a hundred and fifty Psalms, two Thousand verses, 43,000 words. We're not going through the whole book this summer, just so you know. God took a thousand years, and what he gave us is nothing but amazing. Here is God's word for every generation. Here is God's word for every season, stage, and moment in our walk with God, our walk with ourselves, and our walk with others. Now, many scholars would say that the Old Testament... It's fully contained in the Psalms. It's actually a mini Old Testament like Romans is in the New Testament. Every major theological theme in the Old Testament is found through song and poetry here in the Psalms. God's existence, God as king, creation, creator, role of God's law, blessing, curses, forgiveness, hope, resurrection, our covenantal love with God, the coming of the Messiah who we now know fully is Jesus are all found in the book of Psalms. Think about it. And by the way, I really want you to hear what I'm about to say in your hands, what you downloaded for free on Version, You have a thousand years of God's people in multiple situations, writing and struggling and singing and responding to God. You've got a thousand years of devotions, a thousand years of worship services, a thousand years of personal and congregational singing, a thousand years of journey. You've got a thousand years of people walking with God who we now have fully experienced through Jesus Christ. What a gift to you, what a gift to us, what a gift to the global church. No wonder every Christian tradition, no matter what their style is, from the highest high Anglican church to the greatest charismatic free expression church, from liturgy to spontaneity and everything in the middle, all of us use the Psalms. We preach from the Psalms. We sing from the Psalms. We're inspired by the Psalms. We write out of the Psalms. We listen to the Psalms. Now, many of you who've grown up in church, it's not all but some of you, probably were taught that David wrote them all. By the time of Jesus, many Jews were actually taught that, but actually it's impossible since many of them were written far before David or far after David. Now, a majority were written by David and many others are David-like psalms. They sound like him, but other authors wrote them. Modern ideas are expressed here time and time again because there's nothing new under the sun. Moses and Haman and, and Ethan and Aspha and, and David and Solomon and the sons of Korah and a whole whack of them are anonymous. Many think Ezra actually wrote some of them. The psalms were sung. they were written down, others were composed and sung. Many are rooted out of personal experiences or national experiences which became songs later. Psalm 54 is where David was being hunted by Saul. And he writes about it. Psalm 51 is where God confronts David, and David begins to confess having an affair with a woman named Bathsheba, getting her pregnant, and admits to God he murdered her husband. Some just recount history. Some are generic. Some were composed for private prayer, but most of them actually were composed for areas just like this. Actually, the majority of the psalms were written for congregational worship. Maybe you don't know this. Did you know the psalms were sung day and night in the temple? by Levites, professional paid worship leaders. They're the Chris Vashes, Jerome's, and Brooks of their day. And they sang day and night to God. And many psalms were actually written for special occasions. Psalm 92 was only used on the Sabbath. Psalm 100 was actually used, used during Thanksgiving offerings. And all the different names were part of singing guilds. 55 of the psalms actually refer to musical directors of some sort. The Psalms were composed by leaders, kings, priests, prophets, and everyday people. They were sung by professionals, and they were sung in formal settings and informal settings by normal people like us. They were at the heart of the worship experience, chanted, read, preached from. Simply put, the Psalms has been part of the heart, or is the heart of our faith, ever since we've existed as a movement. After 10 centuries of compiling them, the scholars who put the Psalms together as we know them today... Brought them into five books. And the five books are to mirror mirror the five books of Moses. So the first book is Psalm 1 through through 41. And then Psalm 42 through 72 is book 2. Book 3 is 73 through 89. Book 4 is 90 through 106. And book 5 is 107 through 150. Now as you go through the Psalms, if you read them carefully, which a lot of us don't do, but if you do it, you'll realize something pretty quick. Certain psalms feel and sound like other psalms. They're not in an order. They're not grouped together, but they feel the same. That's right. Well, there's actually genres. There's actually styles. So let's just do this. Raise your hand if you watch Netflix. Raise it really high. Okay, good. Binge-watching, gluttony. You just confessed it. Wonderful. All right. So you know it's true. You know it's true. So when you go on Netflix or if you go on iTunes, it's interesting. They say, what type of genre or style would you like to what? Watch. So you say, well, I want to watch a movie based on a historic book or I want to watch a documentary or I want to watch kids. That's my word. It's Peppa Pig versus, I don't know, something else. This is my world I live in. Uh, Or or maybe it's science fiction or history. Or when you go on iTunes, right? You say, well, I want inspirational. I want gospel or R&B or rap or pop. And so you choose a genre. Well, I want you to think about it like this. The book of Psalms is the hymn book. It's the iTunes. It's the Netflix for our movement where you can go through different genres and actually hear God's voice. Now, if you read through all of them, and I read a whole group of different scholars over the last few weeks preparing, basically there is all different ways to categorize them. I've categorized them into 10 different Psalm types. And what we're going to do all summer is, and we're going to do this, every week we're going to stop on one style and teach you how to use that style. So in your life, either tomorrow or in 20 years from now, you're going to have the words and the psalms to use in that situation. So is everyone ready for that? Make sense? Yes or no? Yes? Ready? Good. All right. So we're going to do this. The first type of psalm is called a wisdom psalm. Everyone say wisdom sound loud. Wisdom. Okay, this is the first type of psalm. There's at least eight songs like this. They talk about how to live a wise life, how to live God's way. It's like singing a sermon. Psalm 1, which many of you might know, is a wisdom psalm. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Wisdom says this, You live like this, you don't live like that. What path do you want? God's way, which leads to wisdom, or the world's way, which you end up becoming a fool. Wisdom is when knowledge is applied. Wisdom becomes wisdom when you know something and you just go, don't go, well, I know that. You say, now I do that. See, that's the great problem in our culture. We have more information than we've ever had in human history, but there's very little wisdom and tons of knowledge because we don't have the time to process it and begin to walk it out. So wisdom psalms tell us how to live a godly life. Here's the second one. It's praise psalms. Everyone say praise psalms. Praise Psalms. Okay, these are calls to worship. Why we should praise God. They outline God's attributes and His acts and His deeds and His characters. They remind us how God walks into a person's situation or a community situation and changes the ballgame. It's a reminder that God is who He is and He's worthy of our worship and praise. It's a declaration that we will never take the place of God and we're okay with that. Psalm 103.1. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Praise Psalms. Now, the third genre of style are called Songs of Ascent. Let's say it together. Songs of Ascent. Now, this is awesome. This is where the word epic is appropriately used, all right? So, 2,000 years ago, when the Jewish population was spread all across the Roman Empire, they would gather at critical religious holidays like Pentecost. And the whole Jewish community would gather together to walk up into Jerusalem to worship. So I want you to think about this. Up to a million people would begin to travel and meet together in Jerusalem. So I want you to imagine the largest concert you've ever been to. You got it in your head? Okay, some of you should be confessing the concert you're at, but that's fine. Okay, you got it in your head? Okay, now we all know the feeling when you're with 10 or 20 or 30,000 people and you're all singing the same song. Now I want you to imagine 500 or 800,000 or a million people walking together singing the same song in the same language. It's like all of Scarborough begins singing at the same time together. That's what happened during these things. And there were specific psalms written for that event. And they're called the Songs of Ascent. And so here's one. It's it's in 122. I rejoice with those who said said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing at your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. I I don't understand why, but it's closely. Great. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to sing praise to the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. So these were sung as epic moments with hundreds of thousands of people going to worship God. Songs of Ascent. The next style is completely different. They're called creation psalms. Say that with me creation psalms. They focus on God as creator. They celebrate and they remind us that God is sustainer. He's the one who made the universe. He's stabilizing it right now. It's reminding us that God's still involved, that His creation is good, and God speaks through His creation. The psalms call us to look at the artistry and complexity and the beauty and the order and the rhythm of creation as a source of seeing God, hearing from God, and worshiping God. If you're a person where your sacred pathway is nature, you're just like, I I feel closest to God when I'm in the middle of a swamp or trees or stars. I'm not one of you, but you know who you are. These are your psalms. These are the ones where you're like, yes, yes, I am close to Jesus right now. The most famous one is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Creation Psalms. Now there's an opposite one that we're about to touch. I'm so glad it's in the Bible. It's called a lament psalm. Can you say that with me? Lament. There are 60 psalms that are lament psalms. So out of 150 psalms, 60 of them are this. These are wild psalms. Individual, communal. They're honest expressions about pain and distress. Many people call them the songs you sing at night. Hear people complain to God. Hear people cry out to God. Hear people confess sin to God. They, insert, they assert their innocence before God. This is the polar opposite of praise. Their cries of God's people about disorder and sin and pain and sickness and suffering and death. At points, they question God's motive. You're not acting fair, God. They say, where are you? It deals with God's silence and God's distance. They're raw, they're hard, they're honest. It's like a full-out bar fight with God. I'm so glad this is in the Bible because this reminds us our relationship is not fake. Our relationship with God is real. One of the most profound Psalms that's found in this genre was used by Jesus himself as he lay dying, and he quoted Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out to you by day, and you don't answer. And by night I find no rest. The Lament Psalms. Now in the middle of the Lament Psalms, there's another group called the Imprecatory Psalms. Try saying that with me. Imprecatory Psalms. Now these Psalms are cries for vengeance. These Psalms are what I call rage Psalms. Here are people who actually know God ask God to curse their enemies. Here are godly people ask God to do the unthinkable. They rage against other people. Here are the places where people who know God cry out their deepest, darkest wants stemming from experiences of abuse, injustice, and pain. I just want you to like, hear this psalm this morning. Just if you're drifting, come back. Psalm 109.6, Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let the accuser stand at his right hand. When he's tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers, may they condemn him. And may his days be few. In other words, would he die real soon? May another person take his place of leadership. So could he lose his job, God? May his children be fatherless and his wife be a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. And may strangers plunder the fruit of his labors. Amen. (laughs) What? What? If someone says they're praying for you, you ask if they're praying these psalms. Get out. Run. Now, this is so important. These are in the Bible for a reason. Because when you're in real life, when you're watching what's going on in Syria or with ISIS, you better have words to cry out to God to say, End this violence! Because I want to take this in my own hands. And so since I I know as a God follower, vengeance is not mine, I'm going to ask you to take the person out. These are so important. These psalms are hated by Christians who are not in dangerous situations, but these psalms are prayed all the time by people in really unjust situations. Authentic faith. Authentic faith. Handle with care. Okay. The next type of psalm, somewhere between lamenting and praise, somewhere between creation and rage, is this other one. Called a thankful psalm. Say thankful. Thankful. These are good. We're, this is where we thank God for who he is and what he's done. Actually, many scholars say that thankful psalms are lament psalms that they restate with an answer. Isn't that cool? So the person actually gives the lament back to God and says, But you answered me. Thankful Psalms. The next type is called a kingship song. Can you say kingship? Oh, you're getting weak. Let's try it together. Kingship. All right. These are about the kings of Israel or God is king. You've got some of those that are written actually for a king's wedding, or they're, they're actually kingly uh, laments, or, or they're asking God for help during war. But actually the majority of them are actually God is king and celebrating God's kingship. Psalm 47, 5, God has ascended amidst the shouts of joy, the Lord amidst the sound of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises to our king. Sing praises for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises, sing praise to him, a psalm of praise. Kingship song. Now, there's the next one. They're called Songs of Remembrance. Say that with me. Remembrance. This is where we remember who God is and what He's done in the past to give us confidence now to keep going in the future. This is when you recall holy history so you're reminded you're not alone. Psalm 136 is one of the most famous. You may not know it, but you do know it because it's where the statement, His love endures forever, keeps coming up. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. To Him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, His love endures forever, who brought Egypt out from among them. His love endures forever. With a mighty right hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. And swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. So it's a remembrance of what God has done, so you actually know what he's going to do. So important. If you never look back If you never look back, you'll never have strong faith. And if you never look back, you'll repeat the mistakes of our grandparents and our great-grandparents. Here's the last one. It's a psalm of confidence. Say confidence. That was not confident. Let's try that again. Confidence. Okay, I love these psalms. These are preaching psalms. They remind us that God's presence is with us now. They express trust, God's goodness, his power. Title's like, my God is my refuge. My God is, is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my rock. He is my strong tower. It Psalms like you go, I know that my God is my God. I know he is with me. You bring it. You bring all you've got, because the guy who's got my back is the living God of heaven and earth. You bring it, and I'm going to show you who God really is. These are like really powerful statements. Psalm 16, 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue will rejoice. My body will be resting secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Mm, Like they're those type of thing, right? Psalms of confidence. And we all, of course, need those because they're not about what God did yesterday. They're not about what God's going to do tomorrow. They're the declaration. He's doing it right now, today. The Psalms were sung, they were chanted, sometimes accompanied by massive orchestras, a huge choir, sometimes sung by professionals, sometimes in the middle of a home, sometimes by a one person. Here's the point. The book of the Psalms is the hymn book of our faith. And by the way, that leads me to Jesus. Never forget, the whole Old Testament was to prepare the world to point, to paint the picture of who was coming. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? I have not come to abolish the law and prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In the New Testament, the Psalms is quoted 69 times. And by the way, the Psalms is used the most out of the Old Testament to prove that Jesus actually was who he claimed. If you're taking notes, three Psalms, Psalm 2, Psalm 22, Psalm 110, are the most often quoted Psalms about Jesus. Psalm 2, that he is the Son of God. Psalm 110, he is the Messiah. Psalm 22, his death, his vicarious death for us. All of those things are used. Now, it's amazing... When you look at Christians, both non-Jewish Christians and Jewish Christians who claim Jesus is the Messiah, we believe the Psalms are the Word of God. Talk to any Orthodox Jew around the world today. They would tell you the Psalms is the Word of God. Both communities use the Psalms as Scripture. Both use it to hear and get guidance. But where we divide is over Jesus Christ because we as Christians would declare that Jesus is the Messiah and you need to stop asking for the Messiah to come. He's already come and the Psalms prove that He is who he claimed to be. And that's where the Jewish community and the Christian community divide over the Psalms. If you read your New Testament, you will see time and time again that Jesus himself and many others uses the Psalms to point to Christ. Last thing, and it's this. If you read the New Testament and the very few descriptions of church services, the Psalms were used every single time. Uh, Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish uh, one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The very first church services that happened in homes and other places, they sang the psalms and they used the psalms, and they also had other songs they wrote, both hymns and songs of the Spirit. Here's the thing as we begin the summer. Why do we need the Psalms? Really important question for us today. Why do we really need them? Well, here's the answer. They're perfect prayers and they're perfect songs. And let's be honest, the majority of us need words and images and ideas to express something to God about what we're thinking and feeling, and we don't know how to do it. And the Psalms is God's gift to us to actually do this. Here's the second thing, so important. Please hear this. The Psalms show us and give us permission for a real faith. All the emotions and all life situations are found here. They're open, they're dynamic, they're raw, they're honest, they're full, they're needed. They deal with everything from betrayal to great love to boredom to injustice and everything. See, the highest highs and the lowest lows and everything in the middle is found in the book of Psalms. And let me say this again. As Christians, we are called not to avoid life or be domineered by life. We are called to walk right through life, but do it with God and his community. And the language we need in the middle of all forms of life is found in the Psalms every generation of Christians for 2,000 years. Every godly Jew before Christ came always used the Psalms to talk to God about life as it is. The Psalms are a guide to talk, to pray, to learn, to worship personally and corporately. But let me just say this too. It's obvious, but it needs, it's bare repeating. The Psalms are scripture. They're actually God's word for us. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Let me just say this, if you read the Psalms as we will this summer, you will be taught and rebuked lovingly and corrected and trained in righteousness. Let me put it another way, all our desires and all of our wants, please listen, in your uncertainty, in your joy, in your sadness, in your normal, in your boredom, in your routines, I wanna say this, people of God have already walked along these roads. They've already been in every valley you're going to be in, and I'm going to be in. They've already been on every mountaintop and everything in the middle. God has already gone ahead of us. He's not left us unaided. We're not alone. We're not left speechless or dumb. We have songs of experience. All of life's roads have already been well-traveled. The old paths are well-worn by our godly ancestors, and they, like the great cloud of witnesses in the Spirit of God. God is saying, C4, C4 church, you actually can travel these same roads. And the the language of heaven and the truth of heaven has been given to you. And let me just say this too. Our desire in this church, you know this, is authentic faith. And and here's what we're going to do. We live in a culture that's so instantaneous, right? I want it now. I want to apply it now. And if it's not useful in the next five and a half minutes, it's irrelevant. Stop. That's not true. Wisdom is not like your iPhone that expires every three seconds. This is so important. The reason why we're doing this series is because I and others want to equip this church with the wisdom of God that lasts a lifetime. You may not be inspired for tomorrow, but if you learn how to use these golf clubs... What you will demonstrate to your friends, listen, and your neighbors, and your children, and your grandchildren is this. You will demonstrate an authentic faith that is real, is gripping, that is faith-filled, struggling, doubting, but honest. And when people see an authentic faith in a real God that does not get crushed under life, nor avoids life, but really lives life as it's called to be, people will say, if that is their faith and that is their God, I want to know that God too. So the book of Psalms is gonna teach us. Yes, you can clap. The book of Psalms is going to teach us how to demonstrate an authentic godly life that is not going to be Sunday schoolish in the sense that it's just so up top and it's gone by the next day or we did church on Sunday and it's gone but no 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 this teaches us how to have an, a, a deep relationship with God. I always say this. If you're a good Christian, you better think like a good Jew because our God is a Jewish God. And all the great patriarchs yelled, argued, celebrated, sang, danced, and were bored with God. And that's what we're called into to Authentic faith for a broken, exciting life. So would you stand with me now and let us, let us do this. Let us commit ourselves this summer, to learning this. Are you ready to learn from the Psalms this summer? Yes or no? All right. All right. So let's pray. Jesus Christ, Holy Father, Holy Spirit, come, come now and teach us your wisdom. May this be genuine, real, authentic. Teach us how to think and feel right about ourselves, about you, about our world. Come, Lord, let the light in. Let our faith be genuine. Amen. Amen, amen, let's sing to our God.